Testing, testing, one, two, one, two. This is the Let's Do Sports podcast with your host, JJ Rivera. How's it been? Because I know it's been about a whole a whole year since I've even done one of these. We're going to change the concept up because the other concept was just way too long, way too prolonged. And quite frankly, I don't think it was going to go anywhere. But this week, this whole new concept we're coming up with is a top five, a roundup of the biggest moments in sports today. We're going to start off this podcast by saying, how have you been? How have you been? It's been a long time. I now go to Texas A&M University. The last time I filmed one of these, I still went to the University of Houston. So been a while let's get some light here there we go it's a bit nicer so it's been a while but we're here now so let's get started with the Detroit Lions beating and quite frankly surviving but beating a game uh Kansas City Chiefs team I thought that that game was an interesting one to say the least at halftime, uh, Detroit still kept up. They were down by seven. It was seven to fourteen, KC. But uh, the Kansas City Chiefs looked like they weren't really able to get out of first gear. In a sense, uh, it felt as though there was a a bit of something missing, and that something was on the sidelines. His name is Travis Kelsey, and it looked like they really needed him because that receiving core really couldn't get anything done. It's bad and I would like to even say it's really bad when your QB is your how would you say strongest rusher on the team uh their running back uh Edwards Hilaire couldn't get anything going uh RB2 could not get anything going it was a struggle to watch it was a struggle to watch Patrick Mahomes always plays with 110% on every play and it just seemed like his receivers and his uh, running backs just couldn't get anything going uh, but this is a good win for the Detroit Jared Goff played like Jared Goff plays he never really puts his team into any danger uh, he's probably one of the greatest game managers of this modern era uh, but there was nothing too strong from him uh, let's see in my notes uh Josh Josh Reynolds and St. Brown went for 70 yards each. I think uh Reynolds actually went all the way to 80 yards. Uh, they also had a decent running game with David Montgomery. David Montgomery had 74 yards and one rushing TD. So all in all, this team looks good. They look good. Uh every year they've progressed. It looks like they're getting getting to where they need to be. Now, this year, I don't see them being anything more than maybe a playoff team. Uh, maybe to the divisional. Maybe. That's only if certain things go right. And a lot of things have to go right for them to do that. But at least for now, we can say that the Detroit Lions are winners. 
Whoa, new camera angle, new camera angle. Yes, yes, yes. This background can get better. But as for now, we're here. Anyways, uh, now we move on to the Astros dismantling the Dallas, the Texas Rangers. But we all know what that means. As a Astros fan, I can say nothing more than ha ha, ha ha ha. I told you so. Uh, the, the Strohs got off to a quick game and the Rangers really just couldn't get anything going. Scherzer made plenty of errors on the mound and it was what it was. I think who are our guys, Abreu, Brantley, McCormick, and Jordan Alvarez all hit home runs. This team's starting to heat up. They're starting to heat up, and it's a great time in the season to heat up because if it happened any earlier or if it happens even a little too late, they could pack up. They could go home. But today, uh, not today, but on Tuesday, I should say, uh, they were the better team. And like I said, th this will hopefully be a performance that keeps carrying, keeps burning, and, and they take this with them to the postseason. I think now they're at 80 and 61 and the Rangers are at 76 to 63. We're talking wins and losses right there. Uh, the Rangers, they're in a bit of a position. They can still make the postseason, I'm pretty sure, but they have to hope a few things go their way. A few other teams lose, a few other teams win. And as of right now, the Strohs looking like probably the best team in the MLB. We move on to the Premier League. Now, those not those not really intrigued with the Premier League. That is the primetime league. That is the equivalent of the NBA, the NFL of soccer. Okay, uh, we're not talking MLS. We're not talking Liga MX. We're not talking La Liga in Spain. We are talking about the English Premier League and. The story we want to get to is Arsenal defeating Manchester United 3-1. And what was a great performance by Gabriel Jesus, Declan Rice, and the rest of the Gunners. We start off with a Rashford goal in the 27th minute. It's a great clinger right there. He shot it top bins and it was in. There was no question if it was in or not. Marcus Rashford is still here i know there's there was questions between about his starts about how he played in the first two games but he is still here he is still that guy under eric ten hog but later on you'll see what i'm talking about uh, when we're talking about eric ten hog martin odegaard scored in the 28th minute though responded as soon as he could we're talking a minute later it was a great goal Went through a few defenders. He made it in. It was a wish. We had Alejandro Garnacho, who had a goal disallowed, which changed the whole momentum of the game. Because if that goal had counted, we're talking 2-1 in the last 20 minutes of the game. We're, we're talking a massive shift. But his goal was disallowed. VAR said, I think he was a few centimeters or inches offside, which is, you can get into a bigger debate about VAR. But it was a goal disallowed. The score remained 1-1. One, one, 
Declan Rice then scored in the 90 plus 6 minute, not the 96 minute, the 90 plus 6 minute. And it was worldy. I'm not going to lie. Declan Rice looks good. This is this. He, as soon as he scored, he ran right to the supporters, the Arsenal supporters, and they embraced him. He truly seems to be a gunner now. I know he had a great spell in West Ham, and he was probably their best player, but he's a gunner now, and it looks like the people have now embraced him. He has embraced Arsenal, and this partnership can go a long way. The last goal was by Gabriel Jesus in the 111th minute, or the 90 plus 11th minute. Uh, not 90 plus 11th, we're talking 90 plus 21. That's, that's as much time as the VAR check took. But Gabriel Jesus scored it, closed it off. I thought it was a bit... I don't say... The goal wasn't bad per se, but I think uh, at that point, uh, the Manchester players were dragging their feet. Not that they weren't trying, but it seemed to me that they had already felt that the game had gotten away. So they just were out there playing with the motions. Um, but great goal by Gabriel Jesus. He needs goals like this. If you're going to be a striker, you need goals. Strikers get goals. He's a striker. He got a goal. I think out of this performance, Arsenal played well, and it was all on Arsenal on how they were able to tactically, uh, get their mismatches against, uh, Manchester United. But I think the biggest concern about the game when looking through it uh, when looking at the game through the lens of a Manchester United supporter is more on does Eric Ten Hag still have the locker room behind him I think that is the biggest takeaway I got out from that game I don't know that I don't know if he really does have the the, the people in the back in the, in the locker room behind him you know, things have came out now, uh, especially with the Jaden Sancho uh, Twitter post or X post. Um, uh, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. Uh, Jaden Sancho defended him, himself as he should be allowed to. I don't agree with everyone saying that, you know, he shouldn't be on social media. These players are people, too. Uh, and I truly believe that if, if a player feels as though he's being uh, lied on or disrespected he should be able to defend his word and his name and you know he came out saying that he had a great practice he's carried himself great in his practice sessions eric ten Hag said he hasn't and that's why he doesn't see the field but you know i think he has favorites i think that's one thing eric ten Hag does have favorites because anthony has played and has not played very well in many of his games, many of his starts, but he continuously gets the start every other game. So I feel like there's some kind of disconnect there. I'm not going to instigate uh, exactly what that is, but I do feel as though that he, he must have favorites. That's for sure. Cause it does, it does not make sense why Anthony uh, starts as many games as he does with the performances that he gives. It, it doesn't. But, like I said, great win for Arsenal. I think this 
keeps their title not that they were in danger we're still early on part of the season but it keeps their title hopes up there i think uh they look like a good team now the question is can they keep up with manchester city uh they beat manchester united but can they keep up with manchester city that's the biggest question because right now their dynasty keeps going they keep getting better players we'll see how it goes but like I said, Eric Ten Hag needs to address his problems in the locker room. If there's any disagreements, he has to put his foot down. But I also think there's something going on. We move on to the Team USA in the FIBA World Championships. This was an interesting thing, to say the least. Especially with everything that has happened before this tournament. Or maybe not before this tournament, but in the early part of this tournament. Uh, because Noah Lyle said something along the lines of... Uh, this is my Noah Lyle's impression. World champions of what? The United States? That's how That's how he sounded to me, but... Noah Lyle said that, and it sparked a big conversation on why the NBA even calls their winners of the of a of a championship of the finals the world champions. It's a great question, and we can get onto the geopolitical things when we're talking about the NBA. But I don't think they really matter in a sense because Team USA. The players with the best team, the, the, the team with the best players in the world. This is what they always say, that the NBA, that the NBA has the best players in the world. They lost to Germany, 113 to 111. It was a close game. It was a good game. But it was not the game that many people expected. Uh, the U.S. team just didn't look like they necessarily wanted to be out there. Not that they're not good enough to be out there. Not that they, I they just didn't, not they just didn't look like they had passion. That's that's the thing. A lot of these players, especially on the USA team, they really couldn't care less what jersey they're wearing, especially in the NBA. So just imagine. They probably don't really care about those USA jerseys like the other players in the other countries do. Um, like I said, we know these players don't really play with each other in a sense. But still, uh, it, it, it's not a good look. Especially when you want to argue that the NBA champions are world champions. And the argument is always, well, these are the best players in the world. Are they really? Because they can't beat Germany, and Germany had maybe two players, and one of them was Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder is him. Let, let's be honest. Dennis Schroeder has always shown to be a, a more than competent starter, but the other one was Daniel Tice. Daniel Tice is a role player. He averages maybe 20 to 15 minutes. That's not points, minutes. Um... It's not a good look for Team USA. I will give a shout out to Anthony Edwards. Um, 
he does care. Maybe not for the jersey, but every time he plays out there, he wants to win. So I hope he gets selected for the Olympics. I think he deserves it. He more than more than anyone. I think he deserves a call up just for these performances alone. I'll also say I felt as though Steve Kerr got a bit out coached, and there's arguments on if he didn't have those Steph Curry's and the Clay Thompsons, would he still be regarded as a good coach? a good question it's a valid question to ask but i don't think that takes anything away from him and his championship wins beforehand i just think it's it's a question to be had i don't know um what his game plan was i'll say that much i don't i don't understand what what like we have what ty halliburton at point you know, Austin Reeves, Austin Reeves has some good games, but he can't defend. He defends like a cone. He's just out there. Um, Dennis Schroeder was eating him up. He was just getting driven past. Um, it's not a good look. It's not a good look for Team USA if this is the world's best players, for sure. Now we move on to college football. Um... These are like two-ish stories, but they're college football. So college football, it's all one story in the grand scheme of things. They're all going to the national championship game. We'll get it right. But Colorado beat TCU. Can you believe that? Colorado beat Texas Christian University, a team that just went. They just went to the uh, national championship game and they beat them and I have been a supporter of Deion Sanders now I didn't like how he got to Colorado but that's not the point of this part of the story he's in Colorado now there's no question on if he is or if he isn't he's in Colorado so my my I guess not concern, but it was always more along the lines of could he get these guys um, to gel? Because we know he went into the locker room, the Colorado State locker room, and basically said, if you don't want to be here. No, 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 no. He said, if you're a loser. (laughs) He wanted winners. That's what he said. So he brought players like uh, Shiloh. He brought Shadur. He brought um, Travis Hunter. And they showed out this game. Uh, Shadur threw for 510 yards. Travis Hunter caught 119 yards. Uh, hey, hey, prime time. Prime time makes things happen. And I think the, I guess the most interesting part about this is how quickly or how. How, how quickly can he make this team a powerhouse? Or if he can even make this team a powerhouse? I know their next game is against Nebraska. So that should be an interesting one. That's a Big Ten team. Uh, they're on the lower end of the Big Ten. But Big Ten nonetheless. Uh, it's interesting. It's interesting. I know they go to the Big 12 next year. Right now they're still in the Pac-12 uh, 
They're still in the Pac-12, which seems to be dissolving. But the less about that, the better. It's just an interesting topic to talk about, but it's not on this podcast. But yeah, Colorado, uh, their prime time, their prime time. And I also will say, uh, this is this makes me think about the transfer portal because someone like Dion, they they know how to talk to these kids, and with he also has a Hall of Fame resume. So there's like you would say there there he's the proof. You know what I mean? He 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 is his own proof. He doesn't have to point out like I got this many draft picks. Out of, out of all my players, they these these got drafted. Out of all my players, these got drafted. Out of all my players, these got drafted. He doesn't have to do that because he is a player that got drafted. He knows what it takes to make it to the next level. So there's a lot of the, those guys that they they look they look up to people like Dion, and it's not a bad thing. It's it's not a bad thing at all. But it it is what happens. So the 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 issue is. How many kids can he get there in a few seasons, especially we're talking the transfer portal opening? You know, he can get a lot of kids. He can convince a lot of kids to to get there, to to get to um what's it called? To get to Colorado. And it, it's worrying to some of these bigger coaches that still are against NIL and things of that nature they have to get with the times and I think that that's what kind of pulls me into my second story in college football and it's more on well first of all Duke beat Clemson 28 to 7 great performance by Duke they are no longer just a basketball school uh now is that really true we don't know but at at least for now Duke has proven that they're starting to get their their football program at least a little bit closer to their basketball program. But uh, my my point in bringing that, that up was more along the lines of uh, Dabo Sweeney, right? Great coach, had a dynasty, won two national championships in the past what, six, seven years around that around that timeline. Uh, Deshaun Watson was his QB, and then Trevor Lawrence was his other QB, and, and they won national championships. So my 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 question is: Is the game starting to pass him by? Uh, he's getting the wins, obviously, because he just has better players. But are the tactics or are his ability to get five stars? Is it still gonna be there? Because now we're looking. If if we look at this whole thing, now we're looking at these five stars. They can't get tricked anymore. They can't. They can't be told by a Nick Saban or a Dabo Sweeney, you're going to come here and you're going to play and then, and this and that. And then they have to ride the bench and get maybe one or two seasons at, as a starter. They don't have to do that anymore. The transfer portal opens up. If they see that they don't like what's happening for one season, they can leave. And, you know, they can't, they can't just sit on their laurels. They're going to have to change things up. You can't, it's true. You can't, you can't get a five-star recruit right and tell him you're not going to play unless he just still has so much respect for the program. That's the that's my biggest issue right now with these guys like Nick Saban and Dabo. Like, 
these kids, they don't want to sit on the bench because what they will do is they will transfer out, right? So they'll leave a program like an Alabama, like a Clemson, like like an Oklahoma. They'll they'll see that they don't like it for a year. They'll leave. They'll go to a smaller school. We'll just use not a bad school, but we'll we'll use like a Houston, like a University of Houston to get their playing time. And then what they'll do is what they'll do is they'll play two three years, and then their senior year, unless that team is you know, getting better and better and better, they'll leave. Look, we just spoke about Colorado now and Houston. I just bring that up. Alton McKay's skill was the University of Houston's number one, and he went to Colorado to play for Dion. You know what I mean? If you do not give these players playing time, they will move on. It's been, and and honestly, and honestly, people hate it. But I love it because I truly believe letting these five stars go to these small, so-called smaller schools is bringing a, a sense of parity back into uh, foot, uh, college football specifically. Now, the big teams will always be the big teams, but you'll have these upsets like a Colorado beating a TCU because of that. We'll have these upsets like a Duke beating a team like Clemson. These things are going to happen more often. And I truly believe it's better for college football. It is not worse for college football. It is better for college football. But I think that is a great way to end it off. This has been JJ Rivera. I hope everyone has a wonderful rest of their day. I hope I could be, you know, just a little bit, just give you a little high, just give you things to think about in the college, in the football world. Uh, I hope that I could just do that for you. Maybe get the brain, brain waking up a little bit in the morning, things of that nature. Uh, this is the Let's Do Sports podcast, though. If you need to find us, we are on YouTube. Look up Let's Do Sports. We are on Spotify. Look up Let's Do Sports um we are on tiktok look up let's do sports talk and we are on instagram at let's do sports have a wonderful rest of your day bye